0: Welcome to Allendale Market Talk. This is Greg McBride and Mike Long. This is the episode right before Thanksgiving. Hopefully everybody has a great socially distanced, uh, safe Thanksgiving. uh, It's going to be a weird one, but that's been 2020, hasn't it, Mike?
1: It's been, yeah, I'd say that's about right with 2020. You start off with the pandemic, you go into everything else that happens, the year of the Black Swan, and uh, it just seems acceptable at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're going to do a year in review uh, type uh, type podcast uh, today or not, but, I mean, it really does seem like we've seen some goofy stuff happen this year. We We signed this great trade deal that everybody was super excited about, and then nothing happened with it for like six months. Um, you know, we got the uh, the pandemic uh, set in. You know, crude prices went to to zero, actually below zero, and um, you know, corn, beans, uh, wheat, uh, cotton, they all followed. And it was a rough uh, it was a rough go of it for about the first seven or eight months. And then all of a sudden, the USDA started making changes and it's odd because we should be you know we should be excited about the way the prices went especially in the corn side of things but it seems like there's a there's a lot of angst out there when it comes to the way that the usda handled these changes that they made um maybe you want to talk a little more about that as, as far as why it's such a controversial thing the way that they made these uh bullish changes
1: yeah so the amazing thing was they were all once in a decade kind of changes to reports. And unfortunately, when you get four once in a decade changes in a row, um, it, it doesn't sit well because it's hard to manage your risk all year when we're dealing with one number. And then by the time uh, you finalize it, and it's completely different than what we were originally playing with, uh, it definitely throws a wrench in the plan. You start off with close to a 3 billion bushel uh, carryout for corn and bring it all the way down to 1.7. And uh, that's, that's quite a dramatic change. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, everything goes about, but as of right now, it seems like you could summarize this here with the first three quarters of, wow, that was horrible, to, eh, we're trying. Well,
0: to compound the issue, I mean, we really, we we made these changes, USDA made these changes after... Uh, basically, the the old crop uh, selling window had closed for for most farmers. They, you know, everybody had their sights set on, okay, we've got to have the bins cleared, or we've got to get the old crop off the books by this date. And when you go into the September, especially September uh, uh, quarterly report, and they make these big changes, well, all that old crop that it could have actually helped out was already gone. So mm-hmm. it was like, oh, shoot. And then you're at the point where, you know, maybe you've already you've already locked in some of your new crop at extremely low prices, and then derecho hits, and the dryness of August and, or late July through August and parts of September uh, runs into it and starts to build some weather premium into the market. And then out of nowhere, China just is buying just – tons and tons of corn and beans now you've got a you've got a bull market but most people didn't get a chance to uh, to to partake in that and that's where it's like you know whether it was a failing of people to recognize how dry things were or the usda to recognize how dry things were or or you know recognizing the potential for what this demand could be you know it just seems like if there was a way to just set 2020 aside and say hey let's we'll just take a scratch on this one and we'll start we'll start fresh next year. I think that's the way everybody kind of wants to approach it.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, the unfortunate thing is the best black swan events, things that we need for the summertime when you're looking to have all that premium in play that you can lock in and hedge or make your sales. It just, it was extremely counter seasonal. So I think a lot of people would be on the same boat and saying this year uh, was a test for the ages.
0: Yeah, oh absolutely. And there were, you know, there were certain uh, uh certain technicals that we pointed out along the way that uh, that you know, helped to to kind of show us the way, but I don't know that anybody really put a whole lot of stock into them because uh, at the time the fundamentals just didn't warrant seeing those types of moves. So we're kind of uh, at a crossroads there. But here we go into uh into December we've got our sights set on a new administration that starts uh, in january we've got uh, um, a trade deal that will probably be renegotiated Um, the demand seems like it's starting to slow down on the uh, soybean side of things Um, seems like corn still has a pretty good uh, demand curve to it plus it does seem like we're going to continue to see that uh, well into the first quarter of 2021 Um, so where do we go from here i mean we we've got high prices or higher prices than we're used to at this time of the year we're sitting up near closer to twelve dollars on beans we're sitting up uh, around four dollars and thirty cents on on corn what do we do from here is going to be the big question as we start to formulate our plan for next year as far as acres or inputs or any of that kind of stuff
1: yeah so starting off we have to kind of wipe this year out of your mind with how counter-seasonal everything was, um, and not expect to see this kind of move happen again where we just tank it into summer and run crazy high into the uh, fall-winter time. So realizing that this was an outlier year and the plan that you had that works most years is probably the best one to go back to. It might've not worked this year, but that does not mean that it was not a good plan. It just means that we were riddled with, uh, outside events that were not going to be known. There was no way they could have been called for. And it needs to be something that you go back to your plan. You figure out what you did learn from this year, which is, Hey, I probably should have reowned it just straight out to December with, uh, corn calls back when I sold it during summer, just in case Uh, I know it wasn't supposed to go any higher, but it, that's what the risk management is for. Uh, so if you made some of those errors during this marketing year, something to say, all right, I did learn a couple of things on why we actually do what we're supposed to be doing. And I just need to remember to stick to the game plan and why we put these game plans in play.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let's kind of tick the boxes here and, and kind of give the, uh, the bull and bear uh, scenarios as we, uh, as we move forward. Um, let's talk uh, specifically about uh, export demand uh, as we move into uh, into the new year. Where do we sit um, when it comes to uh, corn and soybeans, when it comes to, uh, to export demand?
1: We are so far ahead of export pace at this point that you have everyone starting to worry that we have a lot of year ahead of us. And we started out so well. So We have a lot of year to trip up uh, and i think that might be some of the pessimism that we saw from early this year that's hanging around but as of right now we're we got some of the best exports we've seen in in years uh well ahead of uh pace at this point for what the usda has given us and as long as we don't see uh say uh tearing up of the trade deal and cancellations uh, you should be looking at some kind of at least sustained more profitable levels uh, as opposed to what we saw last year okay
0: on the on the weather box what are we what are we hitting on the weather side of
1: things so we're gonna have to touch back with that point after our january conference because uh drew Lerner keeps bringing up this uh, solar minimum point and how uh, he referenced the dust bowl last year so we'll see if that's still in the cards but as of right now that's going to be a big one this year with uh with the weather patterns going on, seeing dryness in various parts of the world, see if that continues to work its way up here to North America, like we're seeing in the plains right now.
0: Yeah, and and we've you know as we uh, as we're recording this, you know we we're dealing with uh, some dryness uh, down in South America that is uh, starting to be concerning or has already been concerning um they're kind of at a tipping point right now they need to see some rain uh to kind of slow down this uh this net drying effect uh so that they can they can build that uh, that uh, production back up i think we're at a point now where i don't know that they're going to have as big of a uh, production as they think or as the, they thought a couple of months ago and what's that going to do for for prices for us if uh, if we see production issues down in south america will that impede them from having enough beans to ship or um, are they going to start to try and uh, try and import some soybeans from the united states Uh, just like we've heard uh, we actually just sent a ship down that way um, uh, last week or the week before
1: yeah it's i mean talk about another unknown if we get not only a demand poll rally which we're seeing right now but you mix that with a supply cut to one of, to our biggest competitor um you'll see hysteria uh you'll see that come into play and there will be much like we saw during the 2019 rally with uh the estimates that were coming out with the wild cuts to yield um You'll probably see that hysteria work its way back in the mix and if you do see South America remain dry and greatly reduce that supply picture.
0: Well, it's been a while since we've heard anybody really start talking about negative carryout for soybeans. We -hmm. have to go down that road. I mean, as bullish as people want to get, the negative carryout's not necessarily going to happen, but it is something that people will talk about.
1: Yeah, and— It would look right here for the prices, but we also have to remember that that is food. So if Mm -hmm. that does come into play, it's it's probably going to be an interesting, another interesting year. I shouldn't say interesting year, just another one. Right
0: now, let's uh, let's talk about the uh, uh, let's talk a little more broadly, uh, and go to inflation. We're seeing the dollar at multi-year lows, uh, around ninety-two right now. Do we have any concerns or, or any thoughts uh, of potential inflationary buying here in, in commodities? What are we? Where are we at on that?
1: Yeah, so as we switch administrations, as we have seen just a very uh, unusual economic pattern that's developed while we had the big uh, sell-off, we also saw interest rates continue to be cut. And uh, there hasn't been really any anything on the Fed to keep things stable as much as keep things running as quickly as possible. So if we see that kind of uh, picture change suit over the next administration, you could see very well a rush to rush commodities, rush to things you can actually hold. um, And away from the very. Unregulated uh, financial sector that has been under the Trump administration been pretty open. Uh, mm. And seen a ton of regulations that were taken off the table that will most likely be put back in place under democratic uh, leadership.
0: Now, with the with the pandemic, though, we've seen I mean this massive uh, amount of money thrown I- at the at the American people, at businesses, at you know at farmers and and whatnot. I mean, essentially, we were just printing money so that we could keep the keep everybody going through this thing. At some point, does that come back to bite us? I mean, it. it you would almost think that at some point, you know, that uh, that bill has to be
1: paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you said it uh, perfectly clear there. At some point, the bill has to be paid. Uh, we've been low interest rates. We've been just shoveling money out the door with not a lot of inflow. Um, and we've seen a on a world picture, a continued uh, widening of the deficit between us and uh, China. Uh, so, at some point, there has to be a money inflow and not just a continued money outflow. That's not how, uh, obviously, not how it works. It doesn't work very well that way.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, okay. So uh, let's we've we've ticked the boxes. Um, let's start to start to talk about uh next year for for the US and you, we've kind of already touched on that you know with uh, Drew talking about this uh, dust bowl type uh, situation or or at least an underlying dryness issue as we move into uh, in next year and i believe he even talked about oh, maybe like 3 years or something like that mm-hmm. uh, of potential uh, potential dryness um let's say that we are dry uh through this winter we're dry through uh, next spring, and we start to kind of put a stranglehold on uh, on production. Where do you think we're going to be at when it comes to uh, to acres next uh, next spring in the first place? Because we've seen reduced acres over the last couple of years with soybeans, and um, you, I guess you can call it uh, incre- majorly increased uh, acres in. In corn, but when it all said gets said and done, I mean it was it was more manageable at you know ninety to ninety two million. So mm-hmm. where do you think we're going to be at with uh, with respect to acres uh,
1: next year? I think now that you have beans back above that ten dollar mark, well above it at this point, uh, I think you'll start to see a balance back to where we saw in twenty eighteen, where you had that nice balance between corn and bean acres. I think that year we started off the spring at uh, ninety eight or eighty nine eighty nine. Uh, for for both. So seeing them rebalance, uh, I think, is a pretty. Pretty idyllic uh, point right now to be looking at uh, as long as they're both profitable and uh, you might see a little bit more beans just based on those carry out numbers. Mm-hmm. But I think watching those balance, out is probably going to be your best bet at this point.
0: So if you're, let's just say you're, you're at or near where, where corn was at, somewhere between 89 and 91 million acres uh, for, uh, for corn, and you bring uh, beans up from 84, 85 to, say, 89 or 90, where's, where, where's that acreage coming from? Because I'm already hearing that we're increasing our, our wheat acreage uh, this fall. So where are we getting those, those extra acres uh, available to plant?
1: oh man at this point you got your your fringe acres that change but you also have some of those acreage that has not been usable uh we talked about what was it north south dakota uh, over the last year with them leaving their crop all out in the field they lost acres uh you'll see just those acres that have been taken out of the mix uh over the last several years because of what's happened uh with all the weather events start to work their way back in and potentially just seeing more of those especially if it's dry year seeing those acres that are in the low land areas uh being planted mm-hmm. okay all right so we we've got uh, we've
0: got a balance uh, to the uh, to the corn and bean acres um we we have potential for dryness we have uh uh we have a wheat crop that is going into dormancy soon that would be rated pretty much uh, what top uh, one or two uh worst uh worst rated crops going into dormancy at forty, forty one, forty three, forty four 41 43 44% uh, good to excellent um if things stay drier we we have some winter kill issues or we don't get those spring rains we could be having uh some issues on the wheat side of things and is there anything that uh, we should be watching out for from a technical perspective, uh, that could uh, uh, could show us the way on uh, on wheat that could actually help out uh, the corn and beans if the demand situation starts to cool down uh, with China.
1: Yeah. So as of right now, you got a nice pattern forming actually in the wheat, and it's going to be a bull pennant formation uh, that could be working its way into this mix. It looked at first like we were making some kind of a head and shoulders broke the neckline, and then jumped right back up above it, uh, starting to form that whole pennant more so look. So as of right now, that's that's something to keep an eye on. It's going to be this uh, 617, 618 area you should be watching on that March contract for a break and close above to uh, help activate that movement. Okay.
0: All right. Um, and then, you know, I, obviously everything has looked – pretty good when it comes to uh to soybeans and, and corn especially on on their charts um anything kind of standing out to you that uh maybe makes you want to uh take some defensive action here or is it all straight up from here
1: that's a difficult one right now because you have corn moving sideways you got beans uh that took a dip earlier on the uh, Tuesday trading session and then worked its way higher going into the close. So with beans right now, with how everything's shaping up, it looks like it's still got a clear uptrend in play. It looks like you still have clear buyers wanting to come in the mix. You got a bullish sediment that continues to sit above this 97%, which at this point shows that they're willing to stay in a bull position and just kind of sit on it at this point. So as long as you start to see the, uh, smaller money continue to work its way in here, I think you won't be met by a ton of ton of selling at this point. I think it'll be pretty easy for beans to continue to rally with the carryout we're currently dealing with. While corn uh, also had a nice recovery here today, might need a little bit more help from the fund side of things considering it went up to 90% bullish sentiment and then worked its way down to 87% uh, as of this last week. So if you can get funds back on and looking to, adds to the bull side of the equation, I think you got a good uh, story for the, right there. But as of right now, you can make a case for a larger sideways pattern right now.
0: Okay, very good. All right, well, we'll uh, we'll wrap this thing up real quick, and I I want you to uh, to take a minute here and give us a, a quick rundown on this. But uh, anybody that has been a subscriber of our uh, snapshot uh, uh, program. Uh, is going to get a little bit of a change here. Mike, you want to address what we're we're doing with Snapshot?
1: Yeah. So as of this next week, we will start moving our weekly strategy session over to Snapshot. And what that entails is Rich Nelson, our chief economist, uh, chief strategist, is going to be going over what we're looking at on Fundamental Picture, where are exports currently sitting now, Do we have to worry about China cancellations at this point? What does it all mean? And being to wrap that up in a, in a weekly format uh, outside of the USDA reports. So it will be included uh, and sa- still the same great price, just with a little bit more information for you guys.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, for Allendale Market Talk podcast, this is uh, Greg McBride and Mike Lung. Have a great uh, holiday.